Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. All right, let's get into the Word of God this morning. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. The book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Follow me as I read to you out of the New King James Version Bible. The book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Based on what I read to you, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. Those who trust the Lord wholeheartedly will humble themselves. Those who trust the Lord wholeheartedly will humble themselves. As mentioned in previous messages, Jesus used parables. Parables are again an earthly story with a heavenly meaning to reveal certain biblical truths. To reveal is to make something viable or make it public, make it public information, to make it visible, that is. We see in Mark, let's go to Mark chapter 4 and verse 11. Mark chapter 4 and verse 11. Mark 4 and 11 reads as follows. And he said to them, to you, it has been given to you, given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. To give you more clarity to that scripture, not everyone has access to knowledge and understanding when it comes to God's word. Again, we talked about recently what a privilege it is to be able for God to open up scriptures to you. So in turn, you can have knowledge and understanding. And therefore, those on the outside don't have the privilege of knowing godly mysteries. And he see, says in Mark 4 and 11, and he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery. A mystery is the hidden purpose or the counsel of God of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside or without, all things come in parables. Now, let's go over Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. The book of Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. The prophet Jeremiah helps us to understand the difference between those that are being separated on the outside because God uses shepherds to feed us and to reveal his divine will and his truths to his sheep. He, for our sheep to understand the purposes are, in other words, the mysteries are exposed to sheep. And God uses pastors in order to reveal the mysteries of God. That's why we read Jeremiah 3 and 15, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart. Notice, to God's mind or God's thinking or to God's will, God's way of doing things, who will feed you, who will tend to you, as well as teach you with knowledge and understanding, godly understanding. We know that knowledge and understanding in Jeremiah 3.15 has to do with the knowledge of God 
And it's also, it's understanding God wisely that gives us biblical insight and causes us to prosper. It is important that we understand God wisely. What do you mean by that? We need to understand him in a way that God reveals his way and his will in our lives. Because some people don't understand God's way of doing things. I thought about the disciples when they were praying and they didn't quite understand. This is not my will, but your will be done. Didn't understand it, but yet they had to learn it along the way. And if we walk with Christ and allow the omniscient God to teach us, we will understand the ways of God more clearly. At times, we don't have access to, at times, we may not have access to divine revelation. We can become overly trusting. We can become overly more that is normal or necessary, trusting, having confidence in our own understanding, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 11 and verse 25. Let's go to Romans chapter 11 and verse 25. When we read that scripture, we need to understand if we don't have, if we can become overly trusting, it causes us to be naive and vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy and our own carnal thinking. Our own carnal thinking. So Romans chapter 11 and verse 25. For I do not desire, brother, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So to get a little better definition of that, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant, not understand the mystery, lest you should be wise or intelligent in your own opinion or your own self-view. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Paul noted that the mindset of being wise in our own opinion or overly trusting in our own intelligence can cause blindness. Blindness is defined as hardness, callous, lack of mental discernment or godly insight. This had happened to the children of Israel. We have to really take heed to our 2021 thing when it comes to trusting the Lord wholeheartedly to give us power to resist the temptation to be overly trusting in our own ability rather than trusting in our, the ability of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. The book of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. Of course, this is our famed scripture for the year. One we've definitely quoted more than one time, but we'll continue to go throughout. It says this, trust in the law with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So again, trust, have confidence, be confident, feel safe in the Lord with all your heart and lean, trust, don't lean, don't have trust, don't have confidence in your own understanding, your own insight, your own perception, your own way of thinking. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct, which again, direct means make right, make smooth and make straight your past. And again, we understand that when God talks about smooth, it's not our definition of smooth. It is God's definition of smooth. We have to be careful as God blesses us, promotes us, and uses us in great ways to not to get confident in our ability that we begin to look down on others. It is in God's grace that we are here. And one, one wrong decision at the wrong time can change our situation drastically. One wrong decision at the wrong time can change our situation drastically. God's saving grace and his mercy keeps, protects, and prospers us. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Again, let us therefore come boldly to the throne, which is God's grace, that we may obtain mercy. Claim, lay hold of mercy, and also find grace. Understand grace, get knowledge of grace to help in time of need. So to obtain, to lay hold of mercy, mercy is kindness and goodwill towards others. Those who are, excuse me, mercy is also it comes about with those who are afflicted, experience trials and tribulations, but we have a desire to help them out. And everybody needs grace, mercy every now and then. I think I, I need mine 24 hours a day and seven days a week, to be honest with you. I didn't mean that. It may not be true, but hallelujah. Next part of that, it says find grace, to get knowledge of grace. Grace is divine influence upon our to help and tithe the need. If we have been on this earth long enough, we will likely experience a time of need or a time of lack. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Again. For by grace, goodwill, loving kindness, and favor, you have been saved. You have been delivered. You have been rescued. You have been protected and prospered through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We will see in today's text that there are two men, one who found grace and the other who did not find grace. But we can also learn from both. Let's go over to back over to Luke 18 and verse 9. And he spoke this parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now, remember, this parable is directed at those. Remember, he does not put anybody's name on it. But if you, if you find yourself in this situation, then you need to be like me and just repent. Let me say something to you just on a personal note. As I was studying this, the more I studied it, I said, you know what, God, this was me. And tw- over 20 some years, over almost uh, of, of love and mercy and grace and pastoring and, and being saved, I prayed this prayer. I, I didn't realize it at first. But like the scripture says, it's rent to those who trusted in themselves and despised others. I said, that ain't me, God, because you know what? I'm Pastor Dobbs. I don't despise nobody. I don't look down on nobody. And uh, I know the Holy Spirit got kind of quiet when I said that. <laughs> and he said, you know, all right, keep studying. And I kept studying. I'm like, oh, God, I prayed this prayer. I looked down on other folks. I said, oh, God, I'm sorry. And so I did a lot of repenting. In the message, okay? So let me go ahead and just publicly apologize to everybody. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm going to try to do better, all right? I'm going to try to do better, all right? Try to do better. So now, this parable was spoken to those who trusted. They had confidence. They, they believed. They, they were confident in themselves. And they were righteous, innocent, faultless, and despised. Look. Look, let's esteem or look down on others. See, Luke 18 and 9 lets us know that we have a high opinion of ourselves. We should possess self, we should possess good self-esteem, but it should not be arrogant. Self-esteem is used to show us our overall personal worth. In my opinion, there are at least three types of self-esteem. Inflated self-esteem, when a person thinks that he or she is better than others and has no doubts about understanding has no doubts about underestimating everyone else. High self-esteem. This is a positive trait because a person will accept and value themselves. They don't think too high of themselves. They don't think too low of themselves. Then low self-esteem. This is a positive, this is a, this is not a positive trait. It can be self-destructive. It's when a person lacks confidence in who they are and what they can do. Low self-esteem can cause people to feel incompetent, unloved, and inaccurate. Inadequate. People who struggle with low self-esteem are afraid of making mistakes or letting other people down. I've been guilty of that, all that. Every last one of them I've been guilty of. 
There are people in the church and out of the church that struggle with self-esteem issues. At times, we don't allow Jesus to deliver us from self-esteem issues. We can begin to overcome it in our own ability and develop what I call arrogance. And the enemy loves to see people in arrogance and pride. However, we put more trust in ourselves, our gifts, our talents, our education, and so forth, we can develop a sense of arrogance. And arrogance can be defined as an attitude of superiority manifesting in an overbearing manner. Arrogance can cause a person, saved or unsaved, to believe that they think that they are better than others. There are a few passage scriptures that we want to share regarding God's thoughts about pride and arrogance, which would help us to see why today's text is so important. Let's go to the book of Proverbs. We'll start at Proverbs 8 and 13. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverse mouth, perverse mouth I hate. A little closer to that scripture. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, which is defined as a high opinion of oneself, oneself excessive self-esteem, and arrogance, which can be defined as self-exaltation, a mindset of superiority and the evil way. And the perverse mouth I hate, utterly detest. Let's go over to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates, yet seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and run into evil, a false witness who speak lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Again, let me give you a few definitions. Yes, seven things are an abomination. Abomination is a disgusting thing to him. A proud, a raised or exalted look. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift to running to evil. A false witness who speak lies and one who sows discord among brethren. Lucifer also had a problem with pride and got kicked out of heaven. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 19. The book of Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 19. How are you, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you're cut down to the ground. You are weakened, you are, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you should be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners, all the kings of the nations, all of them sleep in glory, everyone in his own house, but you are cast out of your grave like an abominable branch, like the garment of those who were slain, thrust through with a sword who go down to the stones of the pit, like a corpse trodden under foot. Pride and arrogance will give us a false sense of perfection as to say that we are faultless. We should strive for perfection or maturity, but we are not faultless. Members agree that there's only fault, one faultless one, and that is the man Christ Jesus. If we're to be honest with ourselves and others, we come up short. All of sin that comes short of the glory of God. We stray when it comes to our thinking, talking, and action. It is by God's grace that we're standing with a mind to pray, worship, and give to our God. It keeps us humble in knowing that Jesus is keeping us and preserving us from the enemy and our own carnal desires that are contrary to the word of God. When we look at this parable, it speaks about divine purpose. In my opinion, 
purpose is to get us to look at ourselves through the lens of God to examine our own heart. We're going to get a rare look at the mind of God when individuals come to him in prayer and how he responds to it. Also, his grace in giving us another chance to get things right. Now, I want you to understand something about this scripture here and in this parable. Many times we don't see how God responds to somebody when they pray. We don't see that. This is an example of somebody who prayed to God and God is going to show you how he responds to this person's prayer. Now, that is powerful to me within itself. Because many times we think when people are praying that everything is wonderful. But when you look at it through this particular text, you realize that not everybody who prays is getting the results or praying even with the mindset that you think they ought to be praying in. Just because people pray does not mean they pray with the right mindset. Jesus was letting us in on a, on a man who prayed within himself. The Pharisee did not pray out loud. I always remember that when we study this or go through this particular message. Now, let's go back to Luke 18 and verse 10. Luke 18 and verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So two men went to the temple, temple of sacred place or what we might recognize as a church to pray. One was a Pharisee, a religious leader, and the other a tax collector, one who gathered taxes. Now, I can imagine that they went into a church, went into a temple, maybe like this. And let's say one came in. This is my mind. I, Bible doesn't say this part, but I thought the Pharisee came through the door. He came straight up to, the, to here, fell down right here, and then he started praying. The tax collector, let's say he came and he sat in the back of the church. And then he was praying as well. Two people coming to the church. Pharisee come in and cause he like, cause number one thing about the Pharisee, he liked to be seen for the stuff that he did. Tax collector, well, he just getting his life together. He just came in and let's say he's sitting, I don't know if it's true or not. This is me imagining the text, okay? Let's look a little bit about the Pharisee. The Pharisee was a religious leader. He sought for distinction and praise outwardly, held strenuously to a good, to belief of good and bad angels, recognized in oral traditions for having a standard of beliefs, often questioned the Pharisees themselves, often questioned Jesus in his authenticity or his realness. Now, the tax collector, he, he was a, the class of people that was detested by the Jews and other nations. The tax collector was known to collect taxes with harsh tactics, harsh, harsh tactics, greed, deception, and such like. Historians tell us that tax collectors, let me just tell you a little bit about tax collectors. Tax collectors were like this. You need to understand this about this, and what I believe this is true, in my opinion as well. Tax collectors were assigned to a certain region. And their job was to collect a certain amount of taxes for the government for that region. And so let's say, for example, they collected a certain amount, everything over that they could keep. Now, let's say, for example, they were supposed to collect 500 and report it to the government. And they collected 2,000. Well, 1,500, they put in their pocket. Now, you would think, because this is probably my thinking right here, two or three of those farmers get together, and that tax collector roll up us on one day, and we will beat him up. And he ain't coming back and collecting no more tax from us. The problem is the government backed up the tax collector. If he didn't bring the money, then the government would come and say, hey, who's giving you trouble over in this region right here? And so, therefore, he had the backing of the government to bring the $500 to him, to the government. They brought the $500. He had the protection of the government. Because you can't imagine a little bit of tax letter coming to you and say, hey, I need your money this month. Some of y'all will be on grab the first uh, pick, axe, or whatever, and get out of my house. But with the back of the government, they paid the taxes. And so, therefore, he would collect. Everything he collected over a certain amount, 
He gave to the government. He pocketed. So he was trying to get as much as he could from the people around him so in turn he could pocket more. And that's how he got his income or his ways of living. And so they, they did some hard stuff. They did some manipulative stuff. And y'all know, I know two or three of y'all say, man, that's that came to my house acting all crazy. He got beat up right there. But you have to deal with the government. Y'all see what, why they were so effective at what they did. Now, so think about this. You see the Pharisee come in. You see the tax collector coming in. In your mind, if you're not careful, these people ain't saved. These people don't know Jesus. They, they don't have any relationship with God. One, a Pharisee. And that's that old tax collector that get, got money out of my house. And he did it in such a harsh manner. You can begin to think a certain way about these individuals. But if you're not careful, you'll miss the opportunity to minister Jesus to them. You'll miss the opportunity because you already got an opinion about them without knowing what Jesus says about them. And we cannot be like that. And we all have to learn, and I've been guilty of it too, we are prejudging people based on outward appearance on what they've done in the past. And we have to make sure that we do it in a way that, that please, we have to make sure that we're doing it the way that God wants it to be done. I'm learning and I hope we can learn together. My opinion is more important that we reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ that will deliver, protect, and prosper them rather than determining if they are saved or not in our own thinking. So we got two men at the same place, and the temple was a common place to pray. But we also have two men with different backgrounds and different mindsets. A mindset is an established way of thinking about someone. Many of us gather together in God's house each week with a common purpose. We come to pray, praise, worship, give, witness, and so forth. But just like these two men, we have different backgrounds. We all, we, some of us may have different mindsets. Some of us can have the fixed mindset or the growth mindset. In a fixed mindset, we believe that our traits, qualities, gifts, and understandings are in us and there's no need to develop and grow. Who we are as a person, we are set and we think we're set. That's a fixed mindset. But in a growth mindset, we believe that even our most basic skills, gifts, and talents can be developed spiritually as well as naturally. Now, let's go back over to Luke 18 and verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. See, the Pharisee stood and prayed within himself. Now remember, he's praying within himself. This prayer is not out loud. Nobody hears this prayer except one entity, which is God himself. He hears the prayer of this Pharisee. And the Pharisee prays this, God, I thank you. I'm grateful that I am not like or having the same characteristics or traits as other men. What other men? Extortioners. Those who are robbers, those who practice obtaining something, especially money, through force or threats. I'm not unjust. I'm not unrighteous. One who deals fraudulently, fraudulently with others. I'm not deceitful. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not unfaithful to the spouse. One who is faithless toward God. And I'm not like that tax collector, which we talked about what the tax collector was a few minutes ago. This brother seems like to me, when he is praying, he started to list things that he did not do, but excluded the things that he did do. Let me say that to you again. He started listing the things he did not do, but he forgot about everything else he was doing. And you got to be careful about that because you get in a mindset, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, but you forget about all the other stuff that you are doing. That you may not think is bad, but God knows what you do behind closed doors. He knows what you do at 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 4 o'clock in the uh, morning. He knows what you do and what you like doing and what you could do or wanted to do, but didn't have the money to do it. Thank y'all for way man's right there. I know, I know. One thing about the Pharisee, he knew the law. 
I believe as believers, we need to work on us and not sit, not get so focused on others. I don't believe, it, you know, we, you know, we tell people what thus saith the Lord, but I always talk to people with, with grace and with mercy. Realizing it could be you in that same situation. At times we could be committed to following our list and miss following our omniscient God. Lists can be beneficial. But they, sh- they should not overtake or out- overshadow divine influence. He goes on to make a list on what he does do. Luke 18 and verse 12. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. Notice what he says. I fast. I abstain from food twice a week. I give or I grant freely. I give or transfer the tithes. The tithe, that which belongs to God. A tenth, it also means to give of all that I possess. In my opinion, the Pharisee was doing the right thing, but he was doing it with the wrong mindset. He was leaning on his own understanding. Because when you look at scripture, fasting and giving of tithes is right. It's the biblical thing to do. Fasting is right, whether you fast twice a week or whenever, Giving God his tithes is right, but doing it in the right, wrong mindset can give you trouble. Do it, and you can see the Pharisee, in my opinion, was doing it from a legalistic point of view instead of a place of the heart, such as the ritual of the Pharisees. They did it to be seen of men. You should be an individual who give God his tithes and not worried about if somebody see you or not see you. Oh, good God, let me get out of there. He went, now notice about the Pharisee. The Pharisee went to church, he prayed, he fasted, and he gave tithes of all, but not, but he did it from my opinion, from a legalistic point of view, instead of being led by the Holy Spirit and following God's written and revealed word. Now, this other man, he comes forth with a somewhat of a different mindset. Verse 13, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So we see here the tax collector. We have, Now, I'm talking about the one that I see sitting in the back somewhere because the Bible says he was standing afar off. And that Pharisees up here praying to God, he's talking about God, what I'm not, who I'm not, and so forth and so on, how great I am, who, listen, pat me on the back, I, I got, listen, give me a brown, I, I fulfilled my list, I am a great man, and the tax collector sitting in the back of the church with a different mindset, beating his breast and saying this, let me read, let me read this text to you. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise or lift his eyes to heaven, but beat, which means to disquiet one's consciousness, his breast, saying, God, be merciful, be gracious, or reconcile to me a sinner. The tax collector also prayed standing afar off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but prayed seven powerful, heartfelt, meaningful words. God, be merciful. To me, a sinner, merciful, be lenient to me, God, have compassion toward me as an offender. Yeah, I'm an offender, but please have compassion on me. Treat this compassionate treatment of those in distress is another definition. And not to give someone what they deserve. Not to give someone what they deserve. And one definition I ran across was very interesting to me. Divine mercy is not blind or dumb. Divine mercy is not blind or dumb. Never go to God acting like God don't know what you did. God, I know you know what I did. But Father, I ask you to forgive me. I was wrong, God. Because divine mercy is not blind and is not dumb. God sees everything. He may not, listen, he may not execute judgment at the moment, but don't think God don't see it. He sees it, and I thank God he doesn't execute judgment as soon as he sees it. Because God could have the right 
to execute you before you even do it. Because he knows what you're going to do before you even do it. But he says, Lord, be merciful to me. Seven powerful, heartfelt, meaningful words that resonated with him. That resonated with God. God said, you know what? This man, get ahead of myself for a moment, is more justified than the other one who carried out the rituals. Goes on. Let me give you this. It's essential that we remain humble. It's essential we remain humble. We need to see God for who he is. All powerful, all knowing, Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the creator of all. Remember why God gave us this parable. Look at Luke 18 and 9 again. Luke 18 and 9. And he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Not God's righteousness, but their own personal righteousness. And despised others. This man had his own personal righteousness because of his works. Not saying that his works were bad, but he depended upon these works and not the grace of God to get him through. He depended. This is what he said. Notice this. He went to church. He prayed. He gave tithes of all. Uh, he fasted. And there were some sins he did not commit. He had the right, that part down, but he had the wrong mindset. And you must be careful that you do things for the right reasons. Listen, let the wrong give it ties, but give it for the right reasons. Let the wrong with fasting, but fast for the right reasons. When you come to church, come for the right reason to receive knowledge and understanding of God's written and revealed word. So in turn, you can make a change for the better. Just don't be coming to come. Come with a reason. So understand why Jesus is giving this. We're looking at the example of one person who is a Pharisee, the other one who's a tax collector. But really, the, the main difference was not in what they did, but their mindset. Their attitude and what they did toward God. Now, what we find in Luke 18 and 14. Let's read, let's follow me as I read this. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Justified means declared to be just, righteous, in good standing, how one should be. Now, what I thought was interesting we do not read that God intervening on neither one of their prayers. The tax collector, he prayed, and evidently, when he finished praying, he left. When he left, God said that he was justified. This is what you need to know. The man really had no idea that he was justified. He had to believe by faith and trust God that he was justified. Notice, he prayed seven powerful, heartfelt words that resonated with heaven. And when he did that, he left justified. He left in right standing with God. He left in a place where he was in much better than when he came in. Isn't that good to know that when you come to God, you can leave in a better place than when you came in? Ooh, Now, the Pharisee. Also left. But this is the problem with the Pharisee. He left thinking he was justified, but didn't even know he was not justified. That to me is a sad place to be in. Thinking you're right, but God said, no, you ain't right with me. But you know what I love about God, though? God could have struck him down right there and said, hey, you didn't do this right. But you know what God did? In my opinion, he gave him another chance. Man, think about it. If God was to strike us down every time we did wrong, <laughs> he 
He had to perform a lot of resurrections. I'll, I'll lie. <laughs> Lord, he messed up again. Boom. There you go. Three days later, he rising back up again. But what did, what did God do? The man left. He didn't leave. Justified. But this is what I thought about, too. This man got another chance to get this right. This man got another chance. Even though he's the Pharisee, he does have another chance to get this right. He got another chance. And that, to me, was wonderful. That means when I mess up and God lets me walk away and give me an opportunity to repent, I need to take advantage of it. I don't even walk around all arrogant, think I got it together, thinking that my prayers have made it all into heaven. I need to go and say, God, thank you for another chance to get things right. Woo! Thank you, Lord. I messed this up, God. I messed up this prayer. I messed up this giving. I messed up this fast. I'm just I'm hungry. I'm gonna need, I didn't fast right because God didn't even recognize it. But next time, I'm going to try to fast right because I, I, I like to eat. Thank y'all for the five amens in him. I like to eat when I don't eat. That's a different story. But when I thank God, when I do skip a meal, I want to skip it for the right reason. I want God to say, hey, I, I recognize this fast, and I know that he's doing it for the right reason. Now, I want to look at something because in this last part of this text, we have to make the, cho- the choice on whether to humble ourselves or we make the choice not to humble ourselves. Notice, it's not God's choice, it's our choice. You, me, all of us in this sanctuary have to make a choice. Got to make one. Pastor can't make it for you. Ministers can't make it for you. You got to make it. You guys say, Pastor, I need you to help me. No, I can't, I, I'm going to give you some guidance, but it's up to us. And one thing I thought about this, we have to choose to do this daily. Daily. Because you, it don't take but a moment to get high-minded. Somebody tell you, you man, boy, we can even survive without you. You are the bomb. Woo! Head can blow up just like that if you ain't careful. Boy, I got, I got, I heard about two and a half, amen. Y'all ain't live long enough till your head done blew up after a compliment. You ain't live long enough till your head did blown slap, I'm talking blown slap up. I, you, you can't hardly walk cause your head is so big and wobbling from side to side. You ain't live, I have been there. My head had blown slap. It's already big, so I can't blow it no further. And so now it blew up again. I said, oh, God, help me. And so, but notice what he says here in this text. And the words are similar, but they're used differently. So I'm going to kind of break these down for you. Um, oh, gosh. Here we go. For everyone who exalts. Notice this. Everyone who exalts himself. Remember he's talking about those who trust in themselves. Exalting this text means everyone who lifts themselves up, raises themselves up, honors themselves, will be humble, brought low, assigned to a lower rank, devoid of holiness, and reduced to plain. I don't know when you're going to be brought low, but sooner or later you're going to be brought low. And nobody can bring you low like God. I've been in a situation where I was up one day, and the next day I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. Head shrunk down tremendously. Because God can allow you to go through a situation. And you're like, God, I've been through a financial situation. I've been through a marriage situation. I've been through a ministry situation. I've been through a children's situation. I've been through a challenging your body situation. They called me and said, hey, God, you know, I need you. I can't do this without you, God. I thought I knew something. I thought I, 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 I've been doing it for 20-some years. I thought I knew how to pray, God. I've been doing this. I've been giving it for over 20-some years, God. I thought I knew how to give. I've been doing this. I've been fasting, God. I've been fasting. I've been fasting. But, God, I really don't know what I think I know. God, I need you in order to help me. I don't know what I think I know. Good God. I thought I knew scripture, but I, I, when I get into God's word, I say, God, I really don't know the scripture like I thought I did. So you take a scripture like John 3.16 and think you know it. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. You can look at that like, oh, I already know that. Even before you read it. But God can show you something new about John 3.16 that you ain't never saw before. But you got to give an opportunity. Holy Spirit is unlimited. God is unlimited. He showed you things you ain't never known. But you got to humble yourself to learn it. Yeah, I pray. Yeah, but you ain't really prayed. Yeah, I, I serve other people. But do, are you really serving other people with the right attitude and the right mindset? I'm not, I'm talking about the ones you like to serve. I'm talking about the ones that challenge you in your... Thank y'all for the five. Amen. Keep, keep on, keep on, keep on. Yeah, I love my, my spouse and I want to, I, I do good by my spouse. Do you really? Do you really? Or do you do good on your standard and not on their standard? I know y'all, listen, I know y'all getting it, getting it real, real happy up in here. Yeah, I'm a good spouse. Yeah, I'm a good this. Yeah, I'm a good this. Oh, really? Let me go ask the person you good to. Are you really that good? Let me put about 20 questions on them to see how good you really are. Oh, yeah, I bought them flowers last week, but you bought the wrong flowers. I didn't need to bring the flowers. I need them to clean that kitchen up behind them. I need it for them to take care of their own child. I need it for them to pay some bills. I need it for them to... See, we got our own opinion, and sometimes we lean on our own understanding when it comes to these particular things. But he says something else here. He says to the ones who humble themselves to bring to the, I, I use one definition, to bring yourself to where God, to what God says about you. What does God say about you? That's humbling yourself. Bring yourself to that place and then this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be elevated. To the to godly thoughts of yourself. You're going to be brought to prosperity. You're going to be brought to dignity, honor, and happiness. God would do that for you. But you humble yourself and let God bring you up. Because most humble people don't act humble. They act like, okay, God, thank you for everything. I mean, they're, I mean, they're not arrogant. They're not I mean, you know, they're just humble. They say thank you all the time. They're grateful. They, listen, you can bring them a, a piece of biscuit. And they're like, oh, thank you so much for this piece of biscuit. Hallelujah. I appreciate that. Now, some people, you know how they are. They get a piece of biscuit. Where the rest of the biscuit at? And where the bacon at? They go with the biscuit. And where the butter, uh, you know, and, uh, you know what I'm saying? They're not, they won't be grateful. Every time I, you know, everything you're missing, they're not grateful. I'm just using that for an example. But understand this though. When you humble yourself, really it's a mindset. I'm happy. I'm happy because Jesus saved me. I'm happy because Jesus died on the cross. I'm happy because he delivered me. I'm happy because he, amen, he causes me to walk in happiness and prosperity. I'm happy. Not because of what I did, but because of what he did back on the cross. So whether my day is what you call good or challenging or whatever, I'm still happy because of what Jesus did back at the cross called Calvary. That's my humble myself. Humble myself. In either case, we're responsible to humble ourselves or we choose to exalt ourselves. The consequences is based on the choice. If you choose to do it, you're going. If you choose to humble yourself, you'll be all right. But if you're going to go up there and try to be high-minded. Well, you just get ready to go for a fall. It's just a matter of when. One thing about God: God never tells you when He's going to start humbling you. He doesn't make an appointment or nothing. He just thought, okay, I got you. Mm-hmm, I got you. you oh, okay, you're going you're going to skip prayer because you think you would pray. For a whole week, you don't think you did good next. I'm going to take off next week from prayer because I'm praying. I stayed in my Bible for 30 minutes. Man, I got to stay there for two more days now. Okay, keep on thinking that. <laughs> keep on thinking that. Keep on thinking that. Hallelujah. So we humble ourselves. We choose to trust the Lord wholeheartedly and humble ourselves. We will think and talk and act 
like God wants us to. Let me give you three things real quickly. I'm just going to mention these to you. I'm not going to go in deep into these because I'm, t- I'm talking about humbling yourselves, but I didn't tell you how to humble yourselves. Okay? So let me give you three things that I believe that will help you. There's, there's more. I'm just giving you three that I was led to tell you about because I, I hate for you to, well, Pastor, how do I humble myself? You tell me to humble myself. How do I humble myself? I'm going to give you three that I believe that will help you. And the scripture references go with them. One, acknowledge him in all your ways. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And let him direct your path. And then take his direction when he gives it to you. Take his direction when he gives it to you. That's, that's just doing it God's way. Number two, have a servant's heart by helping others. Matthew 20 and 28. Have a servant's heart by helping others. Matthew 20 and 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Helping others, whether it's witnessing or whatever capacity God tells you to serve, will definitely help you to humble yourself. And what we read also in Luke 18 and verse 1, have a consistent prayer life. Have a consistent prayer life. Luke 18 and 1. And the fourth point is giving. Giving. Give and it shall be given. Luke 6.38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake together, and run it over. Man should give unto your bosom. So acknowledge him in all your ways. Have a servant's heart by helping others. Have a consistent prayer life and give. Those are just four. There's many more in the Bible. But you want to, you, you get these down, you're going to work on humbling yourself. And you just watch God exalt you as you humble yourself. Trust in the Lord wholeheartedly will teach us how to humble ourselves. Those who trust the Lord wholeheartedly will humble themselves. They will humble themselves. All right, I'm done. Stand your feet. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.